I know it's a new song that we were singing there. Well, new to us, anyways. It's not very new. Um, but uh, that low heat comes with clouds descending. Man, that was great. Just, we've sung it a few times, and so trying to pay attention to the words, and you pay attention to the words a little bit more and more. And I mean, you are right there. Uh, low he comes with clouds descending once for our salvation slain. And you get his triumph, and he's going to return to reign. And then you get to verse 2, and it's uh, every eye is going to behold him. And uh, those, those who said it not and sold him, pierced and nailed him to the tree, they're going to see him. And then you get to verse 3, and our redemption long expected, see in solemn pomp appear. All his saints by men rejected now shall meet him in the air. And up we go. And then he goes ahead and all adore thee. High on throne eternal, uh, high on thine eternal throne. Savior, take the power and glory. Claim the kingdoms for thine own. Thou shalt reign and thou alone. That is awesome. Uh, Get you fired up for the morning. I know. I know. It's not like a like crazy build-up song. You know, it's not like you know, look ye saints, and you start. But man, that is right there. If you would grab your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter nine uh, with me. Luke chapter nine, and I enjoyed the Thren meetings. And. Uh, It was a little bittersweet on Tuesday when I preached instead, and I've had a lot of people thank me for the message, and I want you to know that when you have that little prep time, there's not really much that you can do, all right? Just, it's just the truth, and so the Lord was very good and very gracious, and I think it was a, uh, uh, a fitting thing to slide in, and so uh, hopefully it was a blessing and a help, but I know Brother Thren helped me all week long, and uh, wonderful, wonderful week, and uh, the singing and the preaching, uh, just spot on. If you missed those, please listen to those. They will help you. Uh, they will help you with your walk day in and day out. That's what that's there for, and uh, he tries to do that, and he tries to gear it that way. And uh, let the Lord move. And so Luke chapter 9, I'm going to kind of, I think this kind of goes along with the week from last week. And uh, I really wasn't sure that I'd be preaching this one uh, this morning, although I've looked at it for a long time. Luke chapter 9, verse 18 is where we'll pick it up. We'll read a good bit right here this morning. Luke chapter 9, verse 18, we'll get all the way down to 27. And it came to pass, as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him. And he asked them, saying, Whom say the people that I am? Then, G, then answer, uh, they answering said, John the Baptist. But some say Elias. And others say that one of the old prophets is risen again. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said, The Christ of God. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 
For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you of a truth, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. And so here uh, Jesus Christ asks that question. He starts off with an interesting question of, you know, who does everybody say that I am? Who are these people? All these people see me, and Jesus has been working for a while now. He's been doing, of course, we're past the Sermon on the Mount. We're past many of the miracles already. He's already firing up the miracles. He's already preaching. He's already doing those things. And he's going, well, what's the rumor mill say, right? Uh, what, what's, what, what are they saying over there? What, what are people talking about when they talk about me? And, of course, the first guy, he's, he's going, well, Man, they're talking about you being John the Baptist. Now, by the way, that is a great compliment to John the Baptist. That, they mistake Jesus for John the Baptist. John the Baptist must have been doing something right, all right? Uh, when, you get, when you get accused of being Jesus, all right, that's a pretty good deal. And they say, well, it's got to be, right, that's what, that's what Herod was worried about. He's like, that's John the Baptist raised from the dead. That's got to be who, what is happening? And then they say, well, some other people, they think you're Elias. That'd be Elijah, right? Old Testament. Uh, they, think, they think it's Elijah. Now, that's another great testament to Elijah. Amazing prophet. They know he's going to come before, of course, before the Messiah comes. He, Elias is supposed to be here. Uh, by the way, John the Baptist came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Uh, that's two men kind of hooked together. And Jesus Christ. And they say, well, others are going, well, you're just one of the old prophets risen from the dead. You're risen again. They're going, man, you are different. <laughs> and Jesus looks around and, and they've got a point. I mean, they're going, man, who is this guy? He's got to be somebody special. Jesus Christ was extraordinary. By the way, these men from the Old Testament and John the Baptist included were extraordinary men. God did extraordinary things. They weren't just going, well, you know, he was just a good man and he was just a good prophet and he was just all these things. No, no, they recognized greatness when they saw it. And they may not know who he was, but they knew something was different about him than anybody else that they had ever seen. When he walks into the temple, opens up a book and reads it and sits down, they already know he is different. They knew he was different when he was a 12-year-old boy coming into the temple. And he went in there and he disputed with those people at 12. They're going, there's something different about this fellow right here. And then he turns and he goes, okay, well, what do you guys think? Totally different answer now. All the others go, well, he's some great prophet. You're about it in Sunday school. Religion deems Jesus a prophet. But he's far more than that. Here we see Peter's response is the Christ of God. Another place you find him, he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
who He is. Well, who is He? He's God. He's God, manifest in the flesh, stepped down out of the glories of heaven. He is Christ, the anointed one that would save the entire world if they would trust Him. In fact, that is the next thing that He tells them. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> he tells them that I must suffer, ultimately the, the Son of Man. I must suffer these things. Well, what's He going to suffer? That He's going to be rejected of the elders and the chief priests. The religious leaders of His day are going to reject Him. Just like they rejected all the prophets that came before Him. This isn't anything different. So how do you know that? Maybe you ought to read Acts chapter 7 sometime. You find out which of the prophets have your fathers not, not killed and slain and done. They rejected all of them. Jeremiah is down in a pit because they rejected him. Elijah is run off and is afraid and is scared. Why? Because they don't want him. They reject, they reject, they reject. That's what they do. Mankind constantly is a rejection of God and the message of God to reach the people of God. They want to just reject and push Him away. And Jesus Christ was no different. He says, don't tell anybody. Why? Because they're going to go ahead and they're going to take me. And He says in verse number 22, He'll be rejected and then He'll be slain. He died not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. They are going to take him. They are going to crucify him. He is going to give his life a ransom for many. He is going to die for the sins of the whole world. He is going to be slain. And then he's going to do something nobody else has ever done. And be raised the third day. He goes, don't worry, I am going to die, but don't worry. Give me three days, I'll accomplish my task, and it will be over with. And up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes, and nobody knew what was about to happen. He's telling the disciples, hey guys, listen up, I'm going to die, but I'm coming back three days later. Don't worry about it. And everybody else is going, hey, uh, I don't know about this guy, let's kill him. And he's going, that's perfectly fine with me, you can kill me. This is the old saying, right, you can't keep a good man down. And you certainly can't keep the best. And death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't keep him. And the devil certainly wasn't going to be able to do much about the situation. When Jesus Christ decides he's coming up from the grave, he is coming up of his own power, of his own might, of his own greatness. And he comes up and he rises from the dead. He must suffer these things. He has to. You say, why? Because if he doesn't, then the rest of this passage doesn't matter. The rest of what we read really doesn't make any difference. If Jesus Christ isn't the Savior of the world, then you and I have nothing anyways. There's nobody to follow. There's nobody to go ahead and choose. There's no way for you to save your life. There's no way for you to have your soul fixed forever. There's no way for it to happen if Jesus Christ doesn't suffer these things. Jesus Christ chooses to go ahead and lay down his life and to give it and to go ahead and die for our sins. And then you get this amazing, amazing statement in verse number 23. He is looking at his disciples. Now these are guys who have given up their livelihoods. 
literally. They left their nets, they left their boats, they left their, their money table, right? They left, they left, they left. And he goes, all right, guys, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? That statement is, appears in another cross-reference with uh, what shall a man gain? If he should gain, or what shall, yeah. what, shall a man, what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world? And lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The price of a man's soul is what Jesus Christ just told him. I'm going to give my life, I'm going to be slain, and I'm going to rise the third day. The payment for our sins is Christ crucified, buried, and rose again. Those, those, that moment right there pays the debt of our sins. And we can go ahead and we can try to put whatever price we want to. Well, I'm going to put my good works and my self-righteousness on it. It's not enough. Well, I'm going to go ahead and be religious and I'm going to go to church and I'm going to read a Bible and I'm going to go ahead and do this and I'm going to go ahead and confess to someone and I'm going to go ahead and do these. It doesn't work like that. None of that is ever good enough. It is not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saves us. We cannot get around it. You and I can never do enough to do good enough to be good enough to get into heaven. You say, why? Because you've already sinned. There's nothing a man can do to wash themselves of the filth of their sins. And so Jesus Christ comes and He gives His life and He pays the debt and He gives you a choice. And the choice is you can trust me for salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Or you can choose whatever you want. But the end thereof are the ways of death. The lake of fire for all of eternity. And Jesus Christ is far more gracious. He's given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to figure out that there is a Savior that's come. He's merciful because he goes ahead and gives the truth over and over and over again. He's long-suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So what does that mean? It means they come to the place where they realize they're going the wrong direction, and they turn and they trust Jesus Christ alone. I was pastor referenced. I was interviewed after our last street preaching outing. We got one good article and we got one bad article in the Oswegonian. Praise the Lord. I'll take it. Say, why? Because I, I don't mind having people think we're foolish and we're annoying and we're terrible. The second article that came out by a woman named Lauren, and I can't remember her last name, so feel free. You can look us up on, the, on, on their website. You can see both articles. It's not hard to find. Just put, in, just put in preach, all right? Just hit search preach. We'll be the top two articles because we're the two most recent articles, all right? Uh, they're right there. And she did, a, she did a great job. She did an interview. She quoted me a ton. 
Throughout the interview, I probably gave the gospel a dozen times, just trying to make sure it gets in there, right? And it made it in there. It made it in there multiple times. But one of the things that I said, because it was so, they feel like we're so divisive and we're trying to force somebody into this religion or we're trying to force somebody this way. And I said, uh, I said, I'm going to be honest with you. It doesn't matter to me at all if anybody that hears us preach out here ever comes to my church. And she looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, the only thing I am concerned about is where they will spend eternity. And according to the word of God, there's only two options. And Jesus Christ has made it possible for us to have heaven. So what are you trying to convey to her? I'm trying to convey, I'm not out there to get anybody to my church. I'm not out there to make somebody believe what I believe in every way that I believe it. What I'm worried about is that they're going to die in their sins and spend eternity in a lake of fire. And they have no reason to go there because Jesus Christ paid it all. There's no reason for them to go that direction. They don't have to go that way. Amazingly, I did not know this at the time. I found it out afterwards when I looked up the woman who's going to do the article. I thought, I better look her up and find out if we're going to get any fair treatment whatsoever because, Lord, you've got to protect us, right? And so I go in and I look, and I ended with the illustration of some people don't like to be saved. And I said, it's like this. You go in and you go, uh, I said, uh, if you were a lifeguard and you have to jump into a pool or you have to go in to save somebody, they don't recognize that you're saving them all the time. Sometimes you got to restrain them some and do some things that maybe they don't necessarily like that idea for you to help them before they figure out you're helping them. Right? So I give this analogy to us in street preaching. People don't like it. They feel uncomfortable. They don't really enjoy it. They think that we're doing this or they think we're doing that. And I said their perception is that we're trying to hurt them or we're trying to do something. But the truth is all we're trying to do is save someone. Well, I give that illustration. I look this woman up. You know what I find? One of her former professions. She was a lifeguard for like three years. Oh. Oh. Say, so how long do you, how many times do you use that illustration? I think that's the first time I'd ever used that il illustration that way. Normally we talk about, you know, burning building and we run in to save somebody. And then, you know, and, and instead the Lord was like, go with, go with lifeguard. And I'm like, Okay, I guess I'll talk about being a lifeguard. I've never done that before. I know Jan Matelski is fantastic, but I don't know. And so in we go. You say, what are you trying to do? You're trying to let them know Jesus Christ wants to save them. It's not about a religion. It's not about a church. It's not about which of this and doing that and trying to clean your life up and do all those things. And we have things to try and help people. But the truth is Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And if you're a lost sinner in here this morning, Jesus Christ came to save you. And he gives you the option. When Jesus Christ gave his life, he made it possible to bring us salvation. He rose from the dead to secure us eternal life. He made it so you and I could now make a choice whether we're going to live saved, sanctified, and serving him, or if we're going to go ahead and stay lost. But then he also made it so that you could be saved, but you still didn't have to be sanctified. He made it so you could be saved and sanctified and still not serve him. 
Say, what is it? It's all choices. Everything he, he set up is all on your free will choice. You get to choose. You get to choose what you want and how you want it and all those things. There's consequences for choices. <laughs> but sometimes there's good consequences for choices, right? We talk about consequences like they're all terrible. Uh, the outcome can be good or it can be bad. It is blessings or cursings. And in this passage is one of the most simplified statements that Jesus Christ makes about the whole thing. In verse number 23, I already read it twice. But he says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We call this discipleship. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ. A follower to say. Right? If any man follow me. He wants to be followed. Following not just the idea of I'm going to walk the same direction. It is I'm going to follow every step that you take and do things every way that you do them. Pastor mentioned, Pastor Legault mentioned uh, following. We all follow someone and someone's following us and all those things. He mentioned that in Sunday school, I believe. And you're talking about following. And Jesus Christ is supposed to be the one that we follow. When he has saved us, the truth is we have the choice of what we're going to follow. Brother Muller and I were talking, I think maybe yesterday afternoon, and uh, we were talking about the, the whole set of meetings last week. We were just kind of talking for a few minutes. We only, it was only maybe, maybe five minutes we talked. And we were talking about the meetings, and he said, you know what's great about being a preacher is that you get to find guys that you like that you can listen to, that speak to you, and you can follow along with what they're doing because of the way that it works. That's Brother Mark for me. I like to hear him. I like to hear him preach. Why? Because he looks at things different. When he did, I'll get back to this. When he was there in Corinthians, right, in 2 Corinthians, and he did that verse where he says, uh, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight in glory. Now, I don't know about you, I know I'm slow. I had never linked light with weight. And he did that and I went, I feel stupid. But then Brother Muller made me feel better because he goes, Brother, I've never seen that before. And I went, praise the Lord, I wasn't the only one, right? Uh, I felt real dumb. And he did that and I thought, the Lord knows what he's doing. I can't figure him out every time, but he knows. He knows. And Lord, show you some of those things, and those things start jumping out. You say, what's he doing? He's giving you some people to follow who are following him. Now, we don't need anybody else, all right? You get that, you get that crew, right, where we don't need anybody else. That's true. You just need Jesus Christ. I get it. But, boy, it's nice when somebody's in between there, and you go, okay, well, why? Because you get discouraged, right? You look up at Jesus Christ and you're like, well, yes, sinless and perfect. I'm not. All right. So it's nice to look over and go, hey, there's somebody else who's not sinless and perfect, but they're still trying. Amen. And so this morning I want to preach on being a disciple and what the Lord says about it right here. And I'm going to try to go quick because I got five points and I've already burned up way too much time for my introduction. So let's, uh, let's see if we can do it. Lord, I thank you for the morning and I thank you. Father, you're a wonderful God. 
a God who saves, a God who keeps, a God who continues to work in our lives and, Father, works with just broken and failing people. And, Lord, once again, I do pray that you would help us this morning to see what we need to out of the Word of God. Lord, I pray you'd open our eyes, lighten us with the beautiful light from a Bible. Lord, help us to see what you need us to see. And, Father, I don't know whose heart needs this message. Lord, I know it's an encouragement to me to continue and to follow and to work. And Father, I do pray you would bless the day. Lord, we love you and we pray you'd come back soon in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to stay right here. We're going to look at verse number 23. And you find out if the idea of being a disciple and following the Lord Jesus Christ starts with one word right there, if. If. You know, there needs to be a desire to want to follow him. Now, it's any man. Whoever wants to follow can follow. Just like whosoever will, let him come take a drink of the water of life freely. Just like for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever. Those are open-ended to whoever wants it. When you got saved, you made the choice. You made the choice of salvation. You chose. Right here, if you want salvation, you have salvation. If you trust him, you've got it. If you want it, you can have it. Uh, Sanctification, if you want it, Christian, you can have it. But if you don't want it, you don't go for it. If you don't want to live clean, you just won't be his disciple. You want because he's clean. Jesus Christ is as clean as it gets. He's the pure righteousness of a holy God. But if you don't want it, you won't have it. If you don't want the will of God in your life, if you don't want to follow, if you don't want to be a disciple, okay, you're done. Just cross it off the list. Why? You won't be. You will not be a disciple. You won't be saved if you don't want salvation. You won't be a disciple if you don't want to be a disciple. I think most of our problem is we don't really want it. The desire is not there. We look around and we've heard it over and over and over and over again in message after message after message and the answer is selling out and giving your all and doing these things. And you know what we do? Our flesh pops up real quick and goes, yeah, but if you do that, you won't be able to. And we go, okay, I don't want it. We look at other people's lives and we go, well, boy, they've suffered a lot. I mean, they've gone through so many things and the trials and the troubles and it's all because they're in the ministry. It's all because they're dedicated. It's all because they've done, when the truth is, it rains on the just and the unjust. Man is born under trouble as the sparks fly up. Look, you're not going to escape trouble just because you decided that you were going to follow Christ or because you decide you don't want to. So then the question comes, well, what do I want? Well, it's a desire. You need to decide what you want. Do I want to follow him or do I not want to follow him? You say, That seems simple. Salvation was that simple. Do I want Christ or do I not want Christ? Do I want heaven or do I not want heaven? Joshua is the ultimate example, right? You get, uh, well, we'll get there in a minute. I'll get to Joshua in a minute. Deuteronomy chapter 28, we won't turn there just for sake of time. You read the whole chapter. Uh, The whole chapter is all about verses 1 and 2. Starts off with God talking to the nation of Israel. He says, hey, Uh, If you want blessings, follow me, ultimately. You're going to 
commandments and my statutes and my judgments and all the things, and you're going to keep those things, and I will give you all these blessings. The next roughly 13 verses, 14 verses, are all the blessings that God will give. I will bless you for this, and I will bless you for this, and this is what you'll get, and you'll get all these things, and it'll be great. The next section, verse 15, fires up. And verse 15 fires up with, if you don't want me as your God and you don't want to follow my commandments and you don't want to follow my statutes and you don't want to deal with me, guess what? You'll get it, but you'll get cursed. And the following rest of the chapter is every curse God is going to put on them if they reject him. So what is that? Uh, that's your choice. God says, if you're going to do it, this is what you get. If you don't want to do it, this is what you get. You know what I like? Luke chapter 5, just a few chapters earlier, you have that leper comes up. Weirdest statements, right? There's some weird statements in the Bible, right? The leper comes up and he says to Jesus, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. He didn't go, hey, can you make me clean? He said, if you want to, you can make me clean. Jesus replies, verse 12 and 13 for those that are turning. Verse 13, Jesus just goes, I will. <laughs> Isn't that weird? I will be thou clean. And it's done. Just like that. If you want to, you could heal me. Okay, I want to. <laughs> what? What? Who asks him to do that like that? That leper did. The Lord looks at you and he says, if you want to be my disciple, you can be. If you want to follow me, if any man, they can follow. But if you don't want to, if you want to stay just the way that you are, if you want to go back to that old life, if you want to deal with all those things, you can do that too. That's scary. God is not a dictator. And he's not going to make you follow him. And he's not going to make you do it his way. He didn't make you get saved. He's not going to make you do anything the way that, you, that he wants you to do it just to make you do it. Instead, you know what he says? If any man. If any man. There must be a desire. There must be. And there must be a decision. He says, if any man will come after me. So you go, well, I want to be a disciple. All right, what do you got to do? Well, I got to decide. <laughs> will you or won't you? You had to decide at salvation. Will you trust him or won't you trust him? Will you call upon the name of the Lord or will you not call upon the name of the Lord? Will you go ahead and put your faith in Jesus Christ or are you going to keep your faith in your own righteousness and in your own works and in your religion and in your whatever else you got? Will you or won't you? And so you go, all right, if any man, okay, I, I, I think I want this, okay? What do I got to do? You got to make a choice now. The decision must happen. And the decision must be a literal decision. You had to actually decide and tell Jesus you wanted, to be, he want, you wanted him to be your savior at salvation. You want sanctification. You know what you're going to need? You're going to need to call upon God. Why? Because you need him to sanctify you. 
he goes ahead and cleans up his vessels. And when he does, he, you go, hey, Lord, what do you want me to fix? What do you need me to do? How do I need to change? Why? So I can be fit for the master's use. I want to serve you. How do I get to the place where I can serve you? I've got to desire it, but then I've got to decide what I'm going to do. Will I follow? Okay, well, I want to be a disciple. Well, what do I got to do? Well, I got to go ahead and I got to start following. Joshua makes one of the great statements. I was referencing this a moment ago. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, right? Choose you this day with whom you will serve. The gods on the other side of the flood. Or, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Who do you want to serve? What do you want? You desire to have it? Well, will you do something about it? See, here's the thing. We are really good at going, I know what I should want. Right? I should want to follow the Lord. So we go, I am desiring it. But then we don't do anything. We don't decide. So this is, this is strange. You deal with enough people, you guys all understand, right? You're dealing with people. And they say, I want this to change in my life. I want this to change. They know this is the problem. Poor brother Larry deals with that right over at Hope. Uh, right? This is my problem. I've got this problem. And they go, okay, i got to fix it. They desire to fix it. I don't think they're lying. They're looking at the consequences of their life with a drugs, alcohol, whatever addictions, whatever sins they've committed. They go, I don't like the results of what I'm doing. So they realize I need to change it. So they go, I want to change. And they really want to change. But then they don't do anything. I want to change, but they're unwilling. That's Christians. The Lord goes, if any man, and we go, oh, I, oh, yeah, yeah. And then he goes, will. And we go, can I get back to you? If any man will come after me. Well, I mean, do I really have to start following you for this to work? If any man will come after me, if any man is going to go ahead and start following after, get behind me, pay attention to what we're going to do, well, then you've got to get in line. You've got to decide, yeah, that is something I want, so I'm going I'm to get in line. If you don't want to do it, you don't get in line. You know, it's funny the things people line up for. They're releasing a new video game. They're lined up outside the store waiting for it to open. Great new movies coming out, huge release, big box office hit. It's going to be a They're lined up down the street all night. For what? A couple hours. A couple hours of enjoyment. Oh, they're lined up to get the latest and the greatest of whatever it is they want. They're itching for opening day. They're going to have all their gear ready to go a week ahead of time at least. But you know what you can't? 
can't get a line of people to follow the greatest man who's ever been. The son of the living God to line up and go, hey, I'll follow him. Now why? Because they don't want it. They don't want it and they're unwilling to do what it takes to get it. They decide, hey, we heard a whole week of preaching. Some of these guys, Brother Stephen and I were talking. He's in the hallway. Uh, Brother Stephen and I were talking yesterday. He was leaving. And I said, hey, tomorrow, was that, like day 12? And he kind of looked at me weird. And I went, well, you had Wednesday. And then you had Thursday at the men's retreat, Friday at the men's retreat, Saturday at the men's retreat. Sunday started the Thren meetings all the way out till Friday. Saturday, he was here at the church working. And here he is this morning. Some of you have done the same, or at least close to the same. So what are you doing? Just, just willing to follow. I, I just want to get in line. And some of the greatest things you'll ever have, and the greatest things you'll ever see, and the greatest things you'll ever be a part of, is just getting in line and just following what the Lord wants you to do. Just coming after Him. You know, it's funny. We'll run after so many things when we won't come after Christ. Unwilling. We go, yeah, I desire it, but we won't decide to just step over and get in line right behind Him and start coming after Him and learning how he lived, and what he did. Because the truth is, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. If you're going to be a disciple, you need to desire it, you need to make the decision, and then you need some denial. You must deny self. If you do not deny self, self will always win. Always. You heard about it on Friday night. Amalek is still coming. <laughs> He's still around. You know what? That's why Paul wakes up every morning and he says, I die daily. <sighs> I need to deny the things that I am supposed to deny. I need to set apart all the things that I need to set apart. I need to put away my self-righteousness to get salvation. I need to put away my self-will and my desires and my thoughts and my feelings. Lord, help us. I don't like it. That didn't make me feel good. Get over it. Your feelings aren't what matters. What matters, the book matters of what He told you to do and what He wants you to do and how He wants you to do it. But we're so consumed with our own emotions and our own will and our own thoughts about the matter that God can't lead and God can't go ahead and direct and God can't go ahead and have preeminence because we're so consumed with self. The Lord says, deny yourself. Well, yeah, but I think... Deny yourself. Stop thinking you're not good at it probably, all right? That's my problem. I think and I go, that was a dumb idea. Isn't that our problem? Our problem is we have a very limited amount of information and God has all the information. And so then we go, well, I'm going to go based upon what I think about this. And the Lord goes, you're missing about a thousand pieces, man. You can't see it. Just trust me. I see it. And we go, 
Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm pretty smart. Because I would never do that. You do it in action, just like I do. And we look around and we go, what am I going to do? You know what we need to do? We need to be like Jesus Christ. Start following after him. You say, where do I start coming after him in? Uh, go just follow him down to the Garden of Gethsemane. And get down on your face. And you go, I don't like this. This is where the will of God and the will of Jesus Christ made a part for just a moment. So what was he doing? Was he just doing an object lesson? That's not real. If Jesus Christ is just doing an object lesson in the Garden of Gethsemane, then he's lying. That was a show for no one. You realize he brought the other three closer, but then he went off by himself and he went apart and he prayed by himself between him and God the Father. That's just a show. That's fake. If there was no wrestling, if there was no fight, if there was no question, Jesus Christ was just doing a show. Well, that makes him a fake. So instead, he's down on his face. You say, what's he doing? Let this cup pass from me. So what's he trying to get God to do? He goes, I don't want to take the suffering not of the cross. He doesn't care about the cross. Let him die. He doesn't care about that. Say, what does he not want? He doesn't want to become sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He doesn't want to drink that cup of the wrath of God and the dregs thereof. Get the cross references. Feel free. Say, what does he not want? He doesn't want to be separated from the Father because he knows when he's about to be crucified, that's what's about to happen, that the Godhead is going to be split. And so you know what he's saying? He's saying, can we have another plan? I don't want this. And in his humanity, he understands. And then he says, you know what? But I always do those things that please the Father. And he says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And he puts down his desires and his thoughts about the matter and his feelings on the subject. And he puts that stuff down. You know what he says? I'll deny myself. He could have called legions of angels down. He could have scorched the entirety of the surface of the earth and wiped out all of humanity all at once. You know what he says? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You talk about self-denial. And it's not this idea of will worship. Well, I'm going to deny and I'm going I'm to push through because I've got... Nope, it's just, I'm not going to listen to any of that. Lord, what do you want me to do? Denial of self is not this will worship that people try to go with. We're doing... I'm... I'm uh, I haven't talked much about it. I've talked to some people about it, but I've, I've been doing carnivore, my carnivore diet. It's wonderful. But I was cooking for the Threns last week because Brother Thren likes me to smoke large quantities of meats and things. So when he comes into town, I do special things just for Brother Mark because him and I are good friends. I did slight cheats. Like real slight. I didn't have any of the veg. I didn't have any of the stuff I wasn't supposed to have for the most part. I had I had a little thing two days. I, I broke I broke diet two days barely. But boy, Friday was a rough day for me. You say why? I was making grilled pizzas. 
individual personal grilled pizzas. They can make whatever they wanted. We had all sorts of time. The kids love it. It's their favorite day. They, they just love it. The kids eat it up. So we just, we do it. And it's good. And I love pizza. You know what I said? I said, no. I said, did you have to say no? No, I can do what I want. But you know what there was? There's this desire. You say, what's the desire? That I want, to be, I want to be healthy for my kids. I want to be healthy for the church. I made a choice months ago that, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I got one more full month left to go before I'm going to reassess and decide if I'm going to make any changes to it. But 90 days. So why? Because I desired something. And so then I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to follow this path right here. And you say, what does that take? It takes denial. If you, if you can't figure out how to go no to some things, you have a problem with self-denial. You have a problem with your flesh runs everything. <laughs> There's a reason you need to tell it no. Because it wants to control you all the time. Say, well, that makes you spiritual. That doesn't make me spiritual at all. That made me carnal. Say, what do you mean? That wasn't about the Lord. <laughs> that was about me going, I want to keep living, so I'm going to do something different. And I said, no, I'm not breaking my diet for this. Say, say well, you know, that's real spiritual. No, that's carnal. Say, when is it spiritual? When I go, Lord, I don't want to give that person a track. Lord, I don't want to read my Bible. Lord, I don't want to pray. Lord, I don't want to deal with any of that. Lord, I don't want to help anybody. I want to go do my business and just do what I want to do. Lord, I just, but nevertheless, nevertheless, I'm going to do what you want me to do instead. I want to pick up the remote control. I want to pick up my phone. I want to pick up this. I want to go do that. I want to. But instead, you know what I'll do? I'll put that down. And I'll go, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's self-denial. It's not self-willed and self. Me not eating a pizza is self-willed. It's what it is. It's a choice. And I go, I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to. But when I go, when the Lord taps me and goes, hey, I want you to do that right there. And it's a question of, am I going to put my will down to do his? Or am I going to say self-willed? I'm going to do it my way. Well, if you're going to be a disciple, you better learn how to deny yourself. And take up your cross daily. It's dedication. This is a daily thing. I mentioned earlier, Paul makes the statement, I die daily. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, we don't have time, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cap these real quick, all right? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, Paul makes the statement that though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. 
that new creature, that new man that's inside of you, that new nature that you have that's supposed to be, he gets renewed, he gets more power every day if, if you want to be dedicated to some things. Say like what? Well, like pondering the scriptures. Romans chapter 1, or, or uh, Psalms chapter 1. In his law doth he meditate day and night. Acts chapter 17, they searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Thinking about the Bible and thinking about what God said to you that day because you read it. Daily. Daily. You know, it's amazing. In, so, in Isaiah 58, verse number 2, he talks about the nation of Israel and how they had wandered away. And now they are turning and they are pursuing him daily. That sounds like coming after somebody. If you're pursuing somebody, what do they say? I'm coming after you. Aren't you supposed to be coming after him? Well, wouldn't you want to pursue him and try to overtake and get to him? If I could but touch the hem of his garment, just pursue him. Just go after him. Go after him. Go and figure out what he wants you to do. Go and figure out what he likes and doesn't like. Go ahead and figure out what he wants you to be. Go ahead and figure out the things he enjoys and the things he doesn't enjoy. Go ahead and figure out the good and the bad. Go ahead and figure out all those things. He has an opinion on all those things. He has an opinion on what he wants you to listen to. He has an opinion on what you want to watch. He has an opinion on what he wants you to do day in and day out. He has an opinion on what he expects of you as a Christian, as his child. Don't you have expectations for your kids? Don't you have borders on your kids so they're not lawless? Don't you have the idea and the concept of what you want them to become as they become an adult? Why would God want anything less for you? As his kid, doesn't he want you to be able to have all the things he would love for you to have? Doesn't he know how to get you all of those things? Well, then you're going to have to go ahead and get a desire to follow him. You're going to have to make the decision to actually step out there and get in line and start working. And then you're going to have to go ahead and deny yourself because he's going to ask you to do things you don't want to do. And when you've denied those things, you need to go, hey, you know what? I'm going to stay with it. Dedicated. Every day I'm going to read. Every day I'm going to make my prayer. Every day I'm going to praise Him. Every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. So that's a whole lot of days. That's 365 days a year. Every year for the rest of your life. Leap year at another. Day in and day out. I am going to. Lord, help me every day to get up in the morning, pray, read, and be committed. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts should be. Commit myself. Help me to commit myself. Help me to be dedicated to this dying daily thing that Paul talks about and putting my will down and denying myself. Help me to follow you today. Help me to trust you today. Help me to walk in you today. Help me to do these things because you want me to because I want to please you. He says, take up his cross daily. Let me say this. I want to move on, but let me say this. People see that word, take up thy cross daily, and they immediately think of Calvary. Right? That's not what you suffer. 
Christ suffered that for you. His reply is, take my yoke and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart. But his reply about that yoke is, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That wasn't easy or light. We go, well, it's going to be this great burden that I have to carry. No. It's easy and it's light. The world puts a heavy burden on you. Jesus Christ removed that burden when he saved you. And when he removed that burden, it's not, well, you know, I'm just going to... No, you say, what's that cross? It's where two ways meet. It's the will of the Father over yours. And you get to choose. It involves denying self and being dedicated every day to go ahead and make that same choice. Make the right choice. Make the right choice. It's not you going ahead and suffering and burdened and woe is me. Because the commandments of the Lord are not grievous. They're not burdensome. They shouldn't weigh you down. In fact, they're supposed to uplift you. Interestingly enough, if you take up your cross, it's all about being up. Because, by the way, if you'll humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, he'll exalt you. We got this weird idea about that cross. Jesus Christ suffered so you wouldn't have to. Lastly, he says, take up his cross daily and follow me. There must be a determination. There's dedication. I'm going to do it. But there's determination. When everything else isn't going so good, when everything else doesn't seem like it's right, when the clouds are overhead and the rain is coming down and the thunder and the lightning are there, and it seems like everything's going to sink, and it seems like you don't understand the way that he's taking you, and it seems like nothing's going right, and it seems like you're just going to fail and everything's miserable, and it looks like God has deserted you, and you look on your right hand and you can't find him, and you look on your left and he's not there, you look all around, you don't see him, but he knoweth the way that I take, and when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. When you look around and you go, well, woe is me, and all is lost, and everything's terrible, you know what you get to say? I'm just going to follow Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. The sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Well, there's no fear for the sheep when they're following the shepherd. You know what happens to the sheep when they stop following? They get fearful. Because there's nobody there to protect them. Turn over to John chapter 6. And I will be done. A little bit longer than I wanted, but John chapter 6. Now, in order to get all the context, you'd have to read most of the chapter. Jesus Christ is talking to this group of disciples, this group, huge group of people he's got in front of him. All right? And he's telling them that he is the bread of life. And you've got to eat the bread and drink the blood. This is where the Catholics get all messed up because they do transubstantiation. you got the literal body and blood of Christ. That's not what he says. That's not at all what he says. If you've got a question, you can ask me later. But that's not what it says. You can't find that anywhere in the passage. In fact, that is the reason that the Jews get upset with him. They get mad because this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Because they think it's literal. 
and the Lord is purposely not talking literal. He's talking in a picture. He's talking about the manna that fell down from heaven. He's talking about all, all these spiritual truths that he's laying out for them. And so he's purposely doing that. You get down to John chapter 6, verse 66. And he says this, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Whew. Now he's not talking about the twelve. He's about to address the twelve. But he's got these people who are following him. And you know what they've heard? They've heard the exact same idea. They've heard the same thing. You know what they've heard? If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You know what they were willing to do? They were willing to go ahead and have a desire. They were willing to make the decision to go ahead and they will follow. And they deny themselves so that they could follow him. And they start to dedicate themselves to be able to go. And they're there. And you know what he says? He says something they don't like. And you know what he says? I'm done. I'm out. So I got those first four. I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, but you better go ahead and remember, things will not be easy. It's not sunshine and roses. It's not rainbows and unicorns. Sometimes it's not easy to follow Him. Say, but I thought you said His yoke is easy and His burden is light. That's because when you're trusting Him, He takes care of those things. His grace is sufficient for thee. But that does not mean that hard things don't come. Just ask the Apostle Paul, hard things come. You know what he's saying? Will you still do my will? Will you still do it my way? Will you still go ahead and walk with me? Will you still go even when things aren't easy? Because too many times you know what people do? They're great when everything's great. And they're terrible when things aren't as great. They decide, hey, it's not. If you're going to be a disciple, you know what you'll need? You'll need to be determined. You'll need to think back, by the way, all the way back to that desire. If, do I really want this? That's what you'll start thinking. Is this really what I want? Is this really it? Will there be that desire? You know, when you desire some things, those that are married in here, desire a wife, desire a good thing, right? Gentlemen, don't answer this. I won't get you in trouble. You can get yourself in trouble by answering, so don't answer, all right? Ladies, you can answer, it'll be fine, all right? But some days, is it hard in your marriage? Right? I mean, let's face it. Not every day is sunshine and roses and rainbows and unicorns. It's not. Right? And so you know what we, th we think? We think back to the if. We go back to what did I desire? It may not be great today, but I desired something. And when you start thinking about what you desired and what you got and how great it is, then the troubles of today don't matter. You start thinking back, right? He reminds the church in Revelation, he says, hey, thou lest thy first love. Remember from whence thou there art fallen and do the first works. Go back to that old thing. What? The if. If 
Oh, man, I really wanted this. Why did I want it? Oh, yeah, now I remember. You know, the, look at what the disciples have right here. Check this out. Verse 67. Then said Jesus unto the twelve. Here they are. Will ye also go away? Look at this. Lord, Peter, answers again. Didn't he answer the other time? Simon Peter answers again. You say, what's he doing? He's remembering something from a little while ago. Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. He looks around and he says, where else are we going to go? We've already gone this far with you, and all my money is on that you're the Son of God who's come to save us. There's no reason for us to go anywhere else. Back there it was, who do men say that I am? Well, some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're Elias. Some people say, you know, you're risen from the dead and you're one of the prophets. Hey, so yeah, but who do you say I am? Peter pipes up and goes, well, you're the Christ, the Son of God. Now he's come down a little ways longer. You know what he gets to? He gets to this spot right here. Everybody else is walking away. Everybody else is leaving. Everybody's walking out the doors and they're going, this guy's crazy. How could we follow him? I can't believe we wasted all this time following this guy, thinking he was something special. And Jesus looks at those 12 men and Peter pipes up first and says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. I remember that if back there. I I desire to have him, and that's exactly who he is, so I'm going to follow him. And in the days we live, you know what we'll need? We'll need a sheer determination. And when when your determination starts to waver, you need to think back to that if. And go, I desire it. I want it. And so it is worth It is worth making the decision to follow. It is worth denying myself and putting my needs down and putting my wants down and putting all the things that I think are great down because I'm going to dedicate my life and I am going to finish for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ and I am going to follow Him all the days of my life. And daily pick up that cross and say, Lord, what would you have me to do today so that you can have all the praise out of my life. Let's go ahead and stand. If you're in the, here this morning and you don't know for sure heaven's your home, Jesus Christ did everything He needs to to make it possible for you to have home in heaven, He set everything up so that you can know that your sins are forgiven forever if you'd call upon Him. I would hate for you to leave this place not knowing for sure your sins are forgiven. The Bible says these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know your sins are forgiven. You can know you have heaven forever. It's not just a hope. It's not just a, well, let's see if this works out. You can know for sure your sins are forgiven. We'd love to take a Bible, answer your questions, and show you out of the Word of God how you know your sins are forgiven forever. But Christian, if you're saved in here, He did not save you to sit. He saved you to get sanctified and to serve Him. 
He saved you because he wants that walk with you. And he's looking around, and you know what he's doing? Just like he did for the sinner. He's looking around going, whosoever, I'll save them if they'll come. He's looking around saying, if any man will come after me, I'll take anybody to follow me. I'll take anybody. If you want to follow, you can follow. You can have that spirit of faith Brother Mark was preaching about. Anybody can have it. Anybody can follow. But it's up to you. It's up to you. It's the choice, the desire of the will to go ahead and deny yourself and every day take up that cross daily and pick it up and try again and go again and work again. Determined to follow him until the trumpet sounds and we get to go home. Father, I do pray you would bless the invitation now. Work in our hearts. Lord, help us to follow you day in and day out. To start every day as close as we can be and to end every day just a little bit closer. Father, once again, we pray you'd come back soon. In Jesus' name, amen.